Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we are back. We are back at our team preview series here for the 2019 season. We've talked about a couple of Atlantic Division teams so far. It is time to switch over to the Coastal, and where better to start than the reigning Coastal champions? Uh, We've got a guest back on with us tonight. You know him, you love him. Mr. Jim Hammett rejoins the program from PantherLair.com. Uh, Jim, welcome back. It is good to have you. What's going on, fellas? I guess it's uh, about that time for football season. We're back, Jim. We're back. We are back. And better than ever. Or something thereabouts. <laughs> At least knocking the rust off, we'll say. Knocking the rust and, and in my case, sleep deprivation off. Uh, Jim, it's good to have you back on. Uh, we are looking forward to, again, previewing the reigning Coastal Division champions here tonight. Uh, the Pitt Panthers obviously coming off of a 7-7 seven and seven season. It was it was an interesting one, to say the least. Um, obviously, there's there's a lot of positivity that comes around winning the division and, and representing your division in, in Charlotte. And that's the first time that that's happened since Pittsburgh's joined the ACC. So there's a lot of, of good stuff around that. But I think when you really start drilling down into what the season was for Pittsburgh in 2018, some of the games that they, they won and lost and, and kind of the way that they went about winning it. I think there's still some maybe cause for concern and, and maybe question about what, what is the Pat Narduzzi era at this point? You know, was, was 2018 a factor of really proof of concept in year four under Narduzzi and really being repeatable moving forward? Or was it more a factor of, winning a couple of games in the right spots and then just benefiting from a down conference. I mean, what's, what's been your take on that? And what's the, really the pulse of the fan base on where do we stand with Pat Narduzzi as a head coach at Pittsburgh? Yeah. A seven and seven season's very weird, especially when you're, you know, you're 500. So normally 500 is kind of looked on as a down season, but uh, they won the division. They were six and two in the ACC. Uh, you know, they had that big stretch where they won five out of six. Their lone loss was a loss to Notre Dame, uh, who was top five at the time. So they really put it together around midseason after kind of a frustrating start with some big losses, uh, you know, losing to Penn State 51 to six, losing to Central Florida 45 to 14. But there really did seem to be that change and that kind of grasp of momentum. And, um, you know, they put themselves in a great position. You know, they were seven and four going to the Miami game. They cracked the top 25 and they really fell flat on their face. Uh, you know, those last three games of the year. So uh, just the pulse of the fan base, you know, working for a rivals website where there's a big presence on the message boards is no one really knows how to analyze that season is winning the division a big deal. I think it is, is going seven and seven in year four kind of uh, disappointing. I also think it is. So I think it's kind of met somewhere in the middle where I think, yeah, last year was a success, but it, 
there were also some areas of concern. There were some big wins too, Jim, um, even though there was, you know, some disappointment, obviously you referenced the Penn State loss um, coming so close to an upset over top five Notre Dame and South Bend and losing a tough one there. But, you know, there were also some highs that you mentioned. I mean, that 44 to 37 game against Syracuse was wild back and forth. You win that game in overtime. And then, like you mentioned, you win four out of the next five games after that with that lone loss being Notre Dame. What's the fan base's pulse on how the season ended given, you know, as you mentioned, it was kind of like a mixed emotions type year with all the ups and downs. I mean, it was a really rough stretch, obviously, in the final three games, both uh, in the season finale uh, against Miami and then from the ACC championships at Sun Bowl loss. Yeah, I mean, like seven and seven is just such a weird number because it doesn't happen very often. You don't really play 14 games and go 500. It's, it was kind of a weird thing. So I think that Clemson loss kind of really screwed with people's heads because, uh, you know, it was a game you're not expected to be there, uh, you know, when you start the season, uh, especially with a seven and five record. So I think if you go seven and five, uh, you know, p- you play in a bowl game, you maybe win. I think, you know, Pitt lost by one point in their bowl game. So it's kind of one of those weird things that Clemson loss just really kind of messes with the psyche. And when you throw in that seventh loss, it really just people didn't know how to handle it. And, uh, you know, I think that's still been debated among Pitt fans uh, to this day. I mean, nobody really knows how to look at last season, but I think the way you look at it is it's a positive. It's, you know, you're doing something right. And, you know, Pat Narduzzi has been the head coach at Pitt for four seasons. He's 20 and 12 in the ACC, which I think is right after Clemson and Florida State over that span. I think he does a pretty good job in the ACC uh, where Pitt usually runs into trouble. It's those non-conference games. It's, you know, it's losing the Central Florida. It's losing that bowl game. It's losing to Penn State. It's, you know, Pitt usually actually does pretty well in the ACC. It's, uh, you know, when it steps outside the league, it's where the, the trouble usually lies. Jim, one of the things that's always kind of been a mystery to me, too, with this Narduzzi era at Pittsburgh is that Pat Narduzzi, this is his first head coaching job, if I'm not mistaken. And certainly he was hired from Michigan State, where he was the defensive coordinator on Mark D'Antonio's staff. And at the time that he was hired, I mean, he was a really well-regarded defensive coordinator. They, they always had one of the better defenses in the country. It almost was a little bit strange that it took him so long to get a head coaching job. And since he's been at Pittsburgh, it seems like the defense has n- not even, you know, stayed the same. It's almost like it's gotten worse year over year and has it's been like two and a half years since they've been particularly effective. It seems like is, does that ever play into the minds of Pitt fans here is like, you know, why does, why is his defense not as effective as it once was? Or is that a level of concern at all? Yeah. I think the the year that really kind of messed up defensively was the 2016 team. That was an eight and five team. It had a very good offense with Nathan Peterman, James Connor, Quadri Henderson, about three or four of the offensive linemen ended up getting drafted. And, they were one. They were a top ten offense in the country, but they lost five games because they couldn't stop anyone. I think Pitt's uh, total defense was ranked in the one twenties, and that was a really mystifying year. So last year, I think Pitt's total defense was fifty ninth in the country. Scoring defense was seventy fifth. Uh, they actually had some good showings last year. Uh, you know, they, they they were in that game with Notre Dame. They you know kind of held them down, and during that run, I mean, the Virginia game, they really kept Virginia in check. Uh, they dominated Virginia Tech. Uh, so there were some good good defensive showings there. So I think there's a little bit of room for optimism this year defensively. Uh, I think uh, Rashad Weaver is one of the better pass rushers in the uh, ACC. DeMar Hamlin is, uh, you know, a talented safety that's getting some preseason recognition. So I think finally, uh, you know, you know, heading into year five, I think the defense 
at least from a personnel standpoint, it's starting to look like what he, you know, what he wants to do. But, you know, it, it, I think it really threw a lot of people off that it took to year five to maybe, and we, we still don't know how good this defense is going to be. Uh, you know, the expectations are that it's, it, it can be good. Um, but yeah, it, it took a lot longer than a lot of people expected. I guess if there's a year where the Pittsburgh defense steps up and finally takes the step forward that a lot of people were expecting under Pat Narduzzi, I guess this is the year to do it, uh, given the fact they're losing so much production out of their running game, which really was the pillar on the offensive side of the football last year. You lose Darren Hall, you lose uh, Caudry Allison to graduation, and now you know, it's really going to be Kenny Pickett's show on the offensive side of the ball. I think, you know, defensively having a having a strong showing on that side of the ball will certainly supplement any offensive woes they have early. But my question for you, Jim, is, you know, when looking at Kenny Pickett, what does he need to do uh, to take a step forward in 2019? I mean, he's been essentially a game manager at this point, which has really been all Pitt has needed um, given their success in the running game. But now that you're losing two very talented backs, it, it might be time for Kenny Pickett to take a step up in the passing game as well, don't you think? Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I think, uh, you know, people kind of remember Kenny Pickett from last year. But if, if you go back two years ago, his first career start was he was the one that kind of broke Miami and, uh, you know, beat the number two Miami at home, big upset. And Kenny Pickett looked very good in that game. He was mobile. He was making big throws, uh, you know, very athletic guy. So I think he has it in him. and. Uh, and you even look at last year, there were some big games where, you know, he went in and led a game winning drive against Duke and put up 54 points against them. He had some big throws against Virginia Tech uh, and even Wake Forest. I mean, they, they actually shut down the pit running game, but he went in and threw three uh, second half touchdowns. So he has some talent. And, you know, obviously the game that everyone's always going to remember about Kenny Pickett is the, you know, the ACC championship game, I think two completions for eight yards. It was just abysmal, but I think he has some talent, and I think you know what Pitt fans are kind of hoping to see, and I think Pat Narduzzi is hoping to see is some growth under a new offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple. Uh, he was the offensive, or he was the head coach rather at UMass, um, and he he actually ran a very successful offense. I think one of his players got drafted very highly, uh, Andy Isabella, one of the top wide receivers in college football, and he lets it go. I mean, he really airs it out. So I think last year when you watch Pitt they were so reliant on the run when they tried to pass, it just didn't look natural to them. And I don't think they had a good passing concept. And uh, the former offense coordinator, Sean Cord- or Sean Watson, uh, you know, he, you know, and almost every stop he's been on, he, he kind of gets run out of town for kind of having a, you know, too tough of a passing game for the quarterback to grasp. So I think they're going to try to simplify things for Kenny Pickett. I think Pitt has some athletic receivers And they're just going to let him make easy throws to guys in space. And, you know, they make runs after uh, catches. I mean, it's going to have to improve, right, this year. The passing game will because we basically lost the two top running threats on this team. There was kind of the duo of uh, Kadri Allison and Darren Hall last year for Pittsburgh. And both of those guys are gone. Not only that, Jim, but also we're having to replace four starters in the offensive line this really has to be the year that Kenny Pickett steps up because there's probably some questions of where else the production is going to come from, if not from him and from the passing game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he, he knows it. Uh, you know, I think the the whole team knows it. I mean, he's, you know, it, it, it's kind of the thing that was disheartening for Kenny Pickett last year is he was really talked up by all of his coaches and all of his teammates and, you know, all the stories in camp last year were Kenny Pickett this and Kenny Pickett that. And, 
you know, he was supposed to be boy wonder because his only start in his career is, you know, he beat the turnover chain defense. He was one and oh as a starter going into his sophomore year. So everyone is expecting big things from him. And it, you know, it just never really materialized for him. So, I mean, I think he has some talent. Uh, you know, he was just at the Manning Pass Academy and, you know, he got some good reviews from that. And, you know, he, he thinks he picked up some things that can help him. So I, I think the talent's there. I think there's some pedigree there. But I think one of the big things with him is, you know, kind of going back to that offensive line is uh, Pitt's offensive line last year was really geared to the run. I think if you look at both of their tackles, they might have even been better at guard. So I don't think the protection was always there for him. I don't think the play calling was always there for him. And I think just the need wasn't there for him because the running game was so good. So I think with all those factors and, you know, new fresh set of eyes kind of calling the offense, uh, you know, another year of maturity, I think he might be a little more poised in the pocket. So a lot of it's going to have to come from within, but some, uh, you know, some other varying factors. And I, I, I think he almost has no choice but to be better this year. So with Mark Whipple now in, and, you know, you mentioned simplifying the passing game, but as far as the running game is concerned, do you expect to see much of a difference schematically? Um, I know there's obviously a lot of talent lost there, but, you know, schematically from the running game perspective, I mean, Pittsburgh's been so good at running the football over the past few years of those two running backs in the backfield, even with the talent gone uh, to graduation, do you expect to still have success in the running game heading into the 2019 season as a Pitt fan? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you look at the, you know, the Pitt running back stable and uh, Todd Sibley, A.J. Davis, uh, Mikel uh, Salhuddin, uh, they were all uh, you or Under Armour All-Americans. They were all four-star recruits. Um, so th- there's definitely talent in the backfield. They're bringing in two freshmen. Uh, one was Daniel Carter from uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the top programs in the country. So you look at, you know, Pitt's running backs. I think there's talent there. It's just, you know, kind of unproven. And I don't even think last year heading into it, uh, you know, I think Kadriolison had some big, you know, big plays in his career. Same, same with Darren Hall, but no one expected them to be the two, you know, one thousand yard backs in the same backfield. No one expected Kadriolison to maybe get drafted as high as he did this year. So a lot of it was just kind of some personal growth on their end. So I think Pitt does a good job usually kind of grooming running backs, and I think the, you know, the offensive line, though it'll be young. I, I think there's some talent in that room, and uh, you know, some of the some of the guys that you know had to play. Uh, you know, Jimmy Morrissey's back as a two-year starter, as a as a center. Bryce Hargrove was like, kind of like the sixth man, if you will, of the offensive line last year. They're bringing in a transfer from Michigan, uh, Nolan Ulysio. He started some games. So I think there's some talent on the offensive line. I think there's some experience. It might take a couple weeks to gel. It might not be as good as last year, but I think the offensive line can hold it together and, you know, open up some holes. And, you know, A.J. Davis, uh, he, you know, he he's played a little bit in his career. And another guy uh, we haven't talked about is Bleak Carter. Uh, he's kind of a gadget player, kind of a Quadri Henderson a throwback from a couple years ago, uh, converted corner, but he he's special with the ball in his hand. So I think Pitt's going to kind of use him as a running back. He's a little on the small side, but I think he's someone that can kind of give him, if the offensive line's taking time to kind of gel, you know, he might be able to run the outside and get the yardage anyway. You spoke a little bit about this, Jim, um, a minute ago with with Quadri Allison. You know, a lot of people weren't expecting Darren Hall and Quadri Allison to break out these two thousand yard backs last year. And speak to Quadri Allison's career specifically, if you don't mind, as, as you know, somebody who's pretty tied into the program. There, I mean, his freshman year, he was obviously very good uh, with James Connor, obviously recovering from cancer, and then 
he kind of took a back seat there for, for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden last year breaks out again, has a year much similar to the year that he has a freshman. And I think after, you know, as an outsider looking at it, you, uh, you know, I certainly wasn't expecting him to have the year that he had last year. I was expecting him to kind of have something similar to what, what happened to him this sophomore and junior year where he wasn't necessarily the back that we saw as a freshman, but all of a sudden he breaks out for 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns last year. Just talk a little bit about his career and, and what you'll remember about his career at Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, I think he was just, a you know, kind of like the perfect program player because, you know, he stepped in as a freshman and he really wasn't even the backup. He was the second backup. He kind of kind of just found his way into the lineup after the James Conner. He got injured, hurt his knee. Uh, then uh, Chris James, he was actually at Pitt. I think he ended up at Wisconsin. He was actually hurt too. So, you know, Quadriolison came in as a freshman, had a 1,000-yard season. He was ACC Rookie of the Year. And, yeah, it was just, it, it, you know, after that, James Conner came back. He took a back seat his junior year. You know, the team was 5-7. and seven. It, 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 There wasn't a great rushing attack. The last year, it was just – he was great. And, you know, he, he's a very good ambassador for the school. He was, you know, one of the best interviews on the team. And, you know, he kind of had a, you know, a tough go recently. He lost his brother during his time at Pitt. Um, so, it, you know, he just, he was always saying the right things. He always had the right mindset. And, you know, it, to go from a 1,000 yard back as a freshman to, you know, barely playing as a sophomore, it, it, it has to be humbling. But uh, he did a great job. And I, you know, I never thought he'd be a fourth round NFL draft pick, but you know, you look at him and you look at how things are. And I think, you know, he could probably be a pretty solid contributor in the NFL. Jim, we mentioned earlier that the defense has kind of been an issue at times uh, for Pittsburgh and really kind of for the past few years, it hasn't been consistently good, at least not on the level you might expect from Pat Narduzzi. But I think you come into this year and there, there's some pieces to replace up front in the front seven, quite a few guys that, that graduated and left. But this is also the year that Pittsburgh probably has their best secondary coming into the year between both a talent and a, an experience standpoint. Is, is that the difference maker here for Pitt to take that next step and, and really start to uh, be a force, I guess, in the Coastal Division on, on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the pit defense this year, I think you look at two units. You look at the defensive line and you look at the secondary. The defensive line, I'd say that's kind of more potential, what you know, what you look at and what you could see the possibility of. But you, when you look at the secondary, I think there's some tangible res- results there. I think there's some legitimate talent there and some proven talent there. I mean, you look at it's anchored by DeMar Hamlin. He's a senior. You know, he was a big recruit out of Pittsburgh Central Catholic High School. Uh, he chose Pitt over Penn State, Ohio State, Notre Dame. That was his final four. So for to land him, that was a big deal at the time. And he kind of had some injuries to start his career, and he kind of really came into his own last year. So I, I think people are expecting big things out of him. And you know, Dane Jackson's a senior corner. He's This will be his third year as a starter. He's one of the, I'd say, one of the more underrated cornerbacks in the ACC. And opposite him is someone that really kind of came on last year is Jason Pinnock. And you know, there's kind of a belief there that Jason Pinnock can play on Sundays. I think he's a really talented guy, uh, you know, even against Clemson and Stanford going up against some NFL caliber receivers. He did more than, you know, hold his own. So and, and the real, uh, you know, the key to it all and, the, you know, that, that could really make this defense good at safety is Paris Ford. Uh, he's a redshirt sophomore. He's the biggest recruit Pat Narduzzi has ever landed. He was a top 50 player from Pittsburgh. And you know, his freshman year just never worked out for him. Last year, he kind of played corner. And this year, coming out of spring ball, he is named, the you know, the starting free safety. And he's a very athletic player, dynamic player, had offers, 
you know, 30, 40 offers, whatever. And, you know, he was an all American type recruit. So, uh, you know, he's kind of supposed to be the, the missing piece to it all and kind of come in and really, you know, make that a, you know, a good solid secondary to a really good one. I mean, at least that's the plan on paper for Pitt. I was going to bring up too real quick that you, you brought him up last year talking about a, a really highly rated recruit was Paris Ford uh, coming out of high school. He's, he brought a lot of, um, uh, fanfare we'll say with him and and to see him come away with only five tackles on the year it had to be some level of a disappointment I mean is there any is there any concern about him or is is it just known that he's going to fit best at free safety and that's where he'll actually be able to be productive yeah because uh, you know going through fall camp last year I mean the talk all was that he's doing good he's he's going to get on the field they're going to use him as a punt returner as on offense he's going to play a little bit everywhere and you know it just never really came you know it just never happened for him but uh you know, for Pat Pat Narduzzi, uh, after the spring game, to definitively say he's going into fall camp as the starting free safety, I, I think it's pretty telling. And I think he knows everyone's kind of waiting for Paris Ford to do something. And I, I, I think this is the year it's finally going to happen. But he, he was dynamic coming out of high school. Uh, you know, they always say in practice, all the players, that they just ooh and awe at him. And he's a very good athlete. So I, I think everyone, you know, this is what everyone's expecting is for him to kind of come in and you know, kind of really make that secondary, you know, four, four deep, four strong. And I think, I think the pick coaching staff really likes what they have in the secondary. What's the level of concern with the losses at linebacker? Um, you're losing 171 tackles and 20 and a half tackles for loss uh, to graduation. I'm just, I'm curious because it looks like there are a lot of, I mean, linebacker looks like a relatively deep position on Pitt's roster, but the standpoint of there are some upperclassmen who are juniors who could step in and, and play a significant role. I'm just kind of curious what the level of concern is with, with that unit, given the talent that they've lost and the production they've lost there in the middle of the defense. Yeah, I, I think they, they lost some good experience. I think they lost some good players, Elijah Zeiss and uh, Sean Idowo on the outside linebackers and Quentin Virginis. Uh, his season was actually cut short last year. I think he got hurt around the Georgia Tech game or Syracuse game. And uh, he just had a rough career where, you know, injuries and just never worked out for him. And it was kind of disappointing, you know, even even someone that covers the team because Quentin was a really good guy and he just never had a chance to play. But uh, you look at Elijah Zeiss, he was a converted wide receiver. You look at Sean Idowu, he was a former walk-on. So I think from a recruiting standpoint, uh, you know, this point forward, you're going to see a lot more, you know, actual linebackers on the field. And I think uh, nothing against those guys, but they, they were kind of thrown there and kind of had to grow up as linebackers, whereas the guys that are going to be playing this year, you know, they're linebackers, and that that's what they do. So uh, Salim Brightwell, I mean, he's a guy that started a lot of games in 2017. He played a little bit in 2016. Uh, Chase Pine's another one. He was a big recruit for Pitt. I, I You know, I think there's high hopes for him. And uh, another name uh, they, they actually added uh, from Florida, a graduate transfer, Kylan Johnson. Uh, you know, he started some games for the Gators throughout his career, uh, so I, I think he's another guy you throw into that mix. So it, despite losing three starters, you have a guy like Brightwell's who's senior, uh, the, the Florida transfer Johnson's a senior. So I think there's some, you know, veteran leadership there, despite, you know, losing that kind of, uh, you know, experience. Jim, one of the great legacies here uh, of the Pitt team over the last few years has been the uh, the punt and kick return game uh, with Quadri Henderson was, was pretty dynamic doing that. And now uh, we've had a pretty dynamic year or so with Rafael Arujo Lopes and his uh, in, in the in the aftermath of Henderson, I guess. Again, I'm still knocking the rust off here. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to talk again. Sorry. Uh, 
moving forward, it looks like this is probably Maurice French's show. I mean, he was a pretty dynamic kickoff returner last year. Didn't really see a lot of opportunities to return punts. Can he continue that dynasty of, of just absolutely nasty punt and kick returners? Yeah, I, I, he's definitely, uh, you know, going to be the kick returner. He had two last year. I think the very first kickoff of the season against Albany, he took back and he had a pretty uh, critical one in the near upset over Notre Dame right coming out of halftime. So he, he's very explosive with the ball in his hands. And I, I think since he's so important to the offense, they might not want to have him as kick returner and punt returner. So again, it comes back to that guy we like to talk about and that's Paris Ford. I mean, there, there's talks that he may be the punt returner this year. And so we'll see how that goes. I think they have some other candidates, uh, Shockey Jacques Louis, he's a candidate for all name team, but uh, I think he's another kind of guy that might be able to be a punt returner, maybe Valique Carter. Uh, we mentioned him earlier as kind of a gadget player. So I think Pitt has some pretty dynamic playmakers you know, as wide receivers that can double up as return specialists. So Murray's French is definitely one. And, you know, the battle for punt return might come down to guys like Paris Ford and Shockey Jacques-Louis. Jim, let's talk about the schedule. Uh, First question, when are you guys going to stop playing Penn State and UCF? It's such a bad idea. Why? Why? Well, this is actually the last year that Pitt and Penn State are uh, scheduled to play. Uh, this was a four-game series. This is year four, so they are off the schedule, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. The last time Pitt and Penn State, uh, you know, ended their series, it took 16 years to get it back. So that's always kind of going to be one of those things. I think the the idea or the dream that those two will ever play each other again year after year uh, is probably gone. But you know, I think the rivalry won't die entirely. And, you know, the thing with UCF, it's it, it's kind of one of those things where I think when they scheduled it, uh, the Knights were 0-12, so it didn't seem like a bad idea at the time. Fair enough. And for, as for UCF, uh, I mean, you know, Scott Frost moves on from UCF, but they keep on rolling with Heupel. So I don't, I don't know how much easier it gets going from a road game with Penn State in the second week of September and then having that home game against UCF, it seems like a tough early stretch for Pittsburgh. I was going to say, like, there's there's a very realistic chance that you're staring down the barrel of one and three here going into late September. You can definitely come back from that, but that that's not an easy hole to get into and dig yourself out of. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think when you look going into October, I think ideally you want to be, you know, three or two or better. Uh, so that means, you know, handle business against Ohio and Delaware and win at least one between Virginia, Penn State, and Central Florida. And, you know, I'm sure the pit coaches and the players, I mean, they want to win, you know, all three of them. But I think Virginia is probably the most realistic option as a win. Uh, you know, Central Florida, they're, they're just so, you know, they're tough. Uh, even without Mackenzie Milton, I think they're kind of a machine at this point. And I think Penn State, uh, they might not be quite as good as they have been with, you know, trying to replace Trace McSorley. But it's really hard to go up to Happy Valley and get a win. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, one of the most important games for Pitt on the schedule was that Virginia game because it's, you know, not only is it kind of set the tone for the season, but it sets the tone for the ACC Coastal race. Well, I was gonna... It sounds a little ridiculous, but Pittsburgh playing Virginia in the opener could be one of those games that determines the Coastal division. Seriously. I mean, with Virginia getting all the hype they're garnering, getting them right off the bat, if you're able to get an early season win there, it throws Pitt right in the middle of a Coastal division where it race it really should be wide open. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think that Virginia game, uh, you know, it's going to be on the ACC Network night game at Heinz Field. I mean, I, I think 
both sides are looking forward to it. And you look to it last year. I mean, that was a kind of a defining game in the coastal race last year. And it was a Friday night ESPN game. I think it was, you know, kind of a big rainfall, whatever. And, you know, pit one twenty three thirteen. 13, uh, the defense actually played, had one of their better games. I think Olison got hurt and, uh, you know, Darren Hall actually stole the show as he often did and would had like 200 some yards himself. So it was just kind of one of those games last year was an important game. And, I think this is the first time Pitt's opening against a conference game since their inaugural ACC game when they played uh, Florida State in 2013. Jim, the other thing I was going to say before I was so rudely interrupted by my co-host, love you, Mike. Uh, the The nice thing about those that first opening stretch, too, is that Pitt doesn't play outside of the state of Pennsylvania until October. And four of those first five games are at Heinz Field. The only road game is in Happy Valley. So... In that kind of crucial starting stretch for them, yeah, they they get four of those five at home. So that's that's at least good news there. Now, the, the other side of that coin is that the next six games, four of them are on the road, five of the six being division games. You got at Duke, at Syracuse, home against Miami, at Georgia Tech, home against North Carolina, at Virginia Tech. Uh, a bit of a tough road stretch there. There's, there's a little bit of a, a break built in there between Duke and Syracuse. A uh, little bit of a break built in between Georgia Tech and North Carolina. So it, that kind of helps things. But that's, I mean, that's got to be the stretch that we consider to be the defining, you know, the defining stretch of Pittsburgh's season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, once you get after that Delaware game, there's no breaks. I mean, the ACC, uh, you know, you look at those games and it, it's a point or two difference, you know, up and down the schedule. I mean, last year's Pitt Duke game was close. Last year, Pitt Syracuse game was close. Uh, you know, Miami, they pulled away in the second half, but you never know what kind of Miami you're going to get. Uh, you know, the Georgia Tech pit games have been great lately. Uh, even though Pitt comes out on the losing end, the Pitt North Carolina games come out, uh, you know, very close. So, I mean, you, you look and these games are just always close. And, you know, like I kind of referenced earlier, Pat Narduzzi's 20 and 12 in the ACC. And I think, you know, four of those losses are to North Carolina. So, it against non-North Carolina teams, Pat Narduzzi's 20 and eight in the ACC. So I'd say that's a pretty good record against some of those teams. I mean, he usually has a good, good standing against Duke and Syracuse and Virginia tech and Georgia tech and Virginia. I mean, he, he usually holds his own in, in conference play, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's going to be a tough run, you know, once, you know, you kind of get that Delaware September 20, 28th game, every game after that's just going to be, it's almost a coin flip if you look at it. How are you feeling on a record prediction? Yeah, you know, I, I last year I kind of said seven and five, and that's exactly what happened. And I, I, I think this year, I think they can get to eight and four. I think seven and five is probably about right. But I think a few things break their way. I mean, like we said, if if Mark Whipple can kind of whip Kenny Pickett into shape, I think they might have something on offense. And, you know, there is some optimism for the defense. And like you mentioned, four of those first five games are at home. So, I mean, if they can kind of build up a little bit of momentum, I mean, the only – two games I look at the schedule where I say Pitt's probably definitely going to lose or Penn State and Central Florida. But every game after that, I mean, uh, you can kind of come up with a way to see, you know, Pitt winning that game. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? I mean, the, the, the first the first thing you have to consider with all these games is that most of them are against ACC teams. And trying to figure out what any ACC team at the, is at this point is kind of a total lost cause. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's like you've got two – 
definite wins on here. We'll call them definite wins. You've got two, we'll call them definite losses, and then you've got eight coin flips. So how many times is the coin going to come up heads? I don't know. Maybe two times, maybe eight times. I don't know. I mean, that's that's kind of just the story of the ACC Coastal, and it has been since I think Pitt pretty much joined the ACC Coastal. So you just never know, and I think on a rotating basis, I mean, what, you know, every team has won the, the Coastal in the past seven years or every six years, so I think Whose turn is it to win this year? Yeah, I mean, you think about the team that has the least amount of question marks in the Coastal Division. It's UVA, and their biggest question mark is playing Virginia Tech at the end of the year. Virginia Tech just fielded their worst defense in 30 years, and pretty much the entire defense is coming back. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, obviously, you lose two, two of your top rushers, and that's most of your offensive production, quite frankly, from a year ago. Miami still doesn't have a quarterback. Georgia Tech's in a rebuild. North Carolina's got Mac Brown. Duke lost Daniel Jones. I mean, it's literally the entire division is a total toss-up. Um, with all that being said, I think Pitt goes like seven and five. <laughs> I'm going to go with that because I have I have no idea what this division looks like. I feel like I'm going to call seven and five out like three or four different times uh, in, just on the Coastal Division teams that we preview alone just because I literally have no idea what's going to happen in the Coastal. I'm more than happy to admit that. I'm I'm looking at this, Mike, and I I almost think the way that I usually approach this is what do I think they're going to do out of conference? What do I think they're going to do in conference? Out of conference seems a little bit easier to go game by game at this point with ACC teams. I'm going to say I, I think Pitt goes two and two out of conference. I think they lose at Penn State. I think they lose to UCF. I think obviously they beat Ohio and Delaware at home. But then you look at conference play, I, I mean, four and four. Maybe five and three. I mean, Narduzzi does have a good record, you know, in his time at Pittsburgh. I think only one of his four seasons has he been less than five and three. So that's something to consider. Um, this season, I mean, just so much unknown. Still some some underlying questions with quarterback play with Kenny Pickett. And it, there is a new offense. That's good. Um, new offensive line and new rushing attack is not as good. Not as comforting, I guess. I don't know. At the end of the day, I think I'm going to say six and six. Um, I, I, I was kind of thinking seven and seven. That was the first thought that I had, but <laughs> I don't know. There's so many question marks here as, as with most of the teams on the schedule that I'm going to say four and four in conference. I'm going to say two and two out of conference. I, I think the out of conference schedule still is pretty difficult and hopefully that, that kind of clears up here in the near future, but yeah, maybe I'm a hater, but I'm going six and six. I, I don't. I mean, it's it's probably about fair, but you, you just don't know. Like you said, I mean, there's so many unknowns with Pitt. There's so many unknowns with the teams they're playing, and like you said, you, you kind of go two and two in the non-conference, and after that, there's eight games where almost anything can happen. And, and you even look at their crossover games, uh, Boston College. I mean, you know, Pitt playing Boston College at home in Pittsburgh right after Thanksgiving. I mean, I you could see anything happening there, and you know, everyone's kind of in love with Syracuse of late, but. Pitt usually beats Syracuse. I think Pitt's like thirteen and two in Syracuse against their last, you know, the last fifteen times they've, you know, played the two teams. So I mean, Pitt usually handles Syracuse, even despite Syracuse being a good team. So you just don't know. I mean, and and for whatever reason, Pitt can't beat North Carolina. So it's just one of those things. Well, I'm falling on seven and five. Joey's got six and six. Jim, you're thinking seven or eight wins. We'll see. <laughs> Is that kind of safe to say? Yeah, we'll say seven and five, eight and four if some things break their way. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I'm going to write down Mike's prediction as we'll see. 
We'll see is good. I'm on board with that. You're going to be writing that down a lot as we continue these, Joey. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just like copy-paste that all the way down the column. Uh, that's that's the ACC in 2019 for yep. you, though. So go ACC to that. Mike, that's all I got for Jim. You got anything else for him while we got him? Nah, I think we're good. I think that was a solid little Pittsburgh preview. Jim, this has been awesome. This has been very informative. Thank you so much for joining us. You want to tell the people where they can find your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm on the Rivals.com network, uh, panther-layer.com. Uh, you know, your top source for anything pit football, basketball, and recruiting. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Jim Hammett. And you can follow uh, the site on Twitter, at PantherLayer. Our, uh, our faithful leader, Chris Peak, kind of runs that Twitter account. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, camp's starting in a couple weeks. So it's kind of crazy where it's that time of year. But, it's yeah, go ACC. <laughs> Well, I follow the, the the Georgia Tech rival site, and what I've learned is that the Rivals Network does a pretty phenomenal job of of giving a lot of in depth coverage to these different uh, you know athletic programs in general, not just the football teams. So, um, if you are a Pitt fan and you you like Pitt enough to listen to this podcast, whew, you probably need to go spend your money on on Jim's site because I'm guessing that he'll provide a lot better coverage than we can. I would agree with that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Jim Hammett. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, come back sometime soon. You are welcome anytime, sir. I, I'd love to be back. And maybe we'll kind of do like a regroup after uh, the non-conference play. Yeah, we need to do that. We need to do that because that'll yeah. be some really good data points. Um, that'll also be one conference game in. And as Mike mentioned, a, a potentially really important conference game. So um, maybe we'll, we'll do that. We'll recap here in a, a couple months or so. But uh, that's Jim Hammett. Thank you for joining us. Come back anytime and uh, really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, guys. All right, Mike. Uh, we're going to move on. We got some more teams. We got a preview. Um, but in the meantime, they can follow us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, you can go follow Jim at Jim Hammett on Twitter, uh, all one word. And again, that's some great Pittsburgh coverage for you there. Uh, you can find us on a lot of different places nowadays, actually, Mike. Um, we, we've, Recently, and, and we're going to put out a, a specific little announcement here, but we have recently switched our uh, provider for hosting this podcast. And then as a result, we are on a, a lot of dope platforms now. So you can find us not only on iTunes, not only on Google Play, you can also find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Breaker, Radio Public, Spotify, uh, all those great, great platforms wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you know anybody who is still listening through SoundCloud, uh, soon you will not be able to find us there. So recommend that you find somewhere new. If, if you're not really sure how to do that, please send us an email. Um, if you have friends that aren't sure how to do that, have them send us an email. We, you know, we want to make sure that you can still listen to all your uh, sweet, sweet basketball conference podcast uh, in the near future here as we, we make a little bit of a change. But uh, Mike, they can send us an email with questions, comments, concerns, including and li- not limited to how to find our podcast. All of it, you can send it to the longest email address known to man, Basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, Mike, you want to tell them where they can find us on the social medias? Yeah. I mean, you uh, you mentioned all the different podcast platforms, but we're still on Facebook, Joey. Mm. We're, we're on Facebook. Facebook.com slash basketball conference. Rate, review, find all of your podcasts there. Rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate the feedback and we need the ratings. And make sure you hit the subscribe button because that only helps us. Um, and tell your friends, as Joey's already mentioned. Yeah, it, it helps us when you hit that subscribe button, but it also helps you because we've got some some other great guests coming up and we got a great preview series coming your way. So stay tuned as we get you ready for another season of organized, orderly 
sure, you know, sure-footed ACC football that we know exactly what's going to happen in it. So um, stay tuned here. Uh, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? I think we're good, man. I think so, too. Uh, you want to come back and preview some more teams? Absolutely. Got some great guests coming. Hell, yeah, we do. It is a pretty ridiculous lineup, um, so make sure you stay tuned. we got some great folks coming for you. But in any case, uh, until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, Mr. Jim Hammett, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon, and until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.